G'day, welcome along to another sermon from Good News Christian Church in Howrah, Tasmania, Australia. I'm Bernard Kane, I'm the pastor. Get in touch sometime at goodnewschristianchurch.org or why not come by one Sunday morning. For now, here's the sermon. Salvation is found in no one else, for there's no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. Uh, we're going to focus on Psalm 146, but before I get there, I have some introductory uh, sort of comments and, and questions for you. Let's start with this. I have a little quote for you, and I'd like you to figure out for me, what kind of a person would say a thing like this? What kind of a person would say a thing like this? Um, it starts out very normal sounding, the kind of advice that you'd expect to hear actually on New Year's uh, Eve, you know, sort of get some perspective, see the bigger picture, all of that kind of thing. But give it a couple of sentences and then it goes weird. Um, you'll see what I mean. What kind of a person would say a thing like this? Here it goes. Never take things for granted. Realise how good we have it down here on planet Earth. We are blessed with a carefree life, carefree existence. Air is all around you. You don't have to make the oxygen. You don't have to worry about it rushing out and suffocating you in a rapid decompression. There it is. Count my blessings. I try to do that every day when I wake up in the morning. And if you're having a bad day, just take a breath and say how good we have it. What a carefree life. What a great existence. Um, Brothers and sisters, uh, friends, guests, on this New Year's Eve, I figured it's not really the moment for a sermon for plans, you know, and uh, and projects and calling for specific things and actions and to-do lists. It's not quite that time of year um, at the moment, is it? And nor is it the day for addressing problems. Um, or taking apart complex kind of, you know, theological knots or, or heavy, complicated aspects of our culture and trying to uh, pull them apart and put them, put them back together. But I do think today is a day to help reframe our perspective before the Lord. Uh, and that is why I quoted um, those words, what kind of a person would say a thing like, We are blessed with a carefree life, carefree existence. Air is all around you. You don't have to make the oxygen. You don't have to worry about it rushing out and suffocating you in a rapid decompression. What kind of a person would say anything like that? The answer is, of course, an astronaut. (laughs) Make sense now? An astronaut. Uh, Jerry Lininger, who was an American astronaut, get this, on the Russian Mir space station for five months back in 1997, um, uh, that's who it's from. At the time, the Russian space program was grossly underfunded. Uh, So yes, things like carbon dioxide scrubbers, I don't even really know what those are, but I think they make the air breathable for them up there. Those things, they just go on the blink from time to time. Uh, things like their oxygen generator, I'm not kidding, I'm not making this up, would go on the blink from time to time. But, I mean, that gives you some perspective, doesn't it? Their oxygen generator. Um, here's Lininger again. When an oxygen generator would break down and Vasily, my crewmate, would be working on it, I'd float by him throughout the day, pat him on the back and say, you're a good man. You're smart, and I know you can fix that thing. 
keep up the good work. They had a fire on board uh, the space station at one point, which he described as like a blowtorch. They're they're filling up with smoke. Visibility is beginning to become impaired. And now at some point, you just imagine, don't you, well, they've got to have an escape plan, right? If things go completely pear-shaped, there has to be a way out for them. There has to be an escape. And they did. They had a plan. Unfortunately, that escape plan, and specifically the escape pod, was on the other side of that blowtorch-like flame that they couldn't put out. It just happened to be docked at that exit on that particular day. Now, why do I raise all that by way of introduction? It's because what shone out for me, from Lininger patting his mate Vasily on the back, from his words, from his outlook, uh, the perspective he gained there in space changed the way he spoke. It changed the effect that he chose to have on the lives of the two other men up there with him. Uh, It transformed his sense of what matters in life and what is really worth getting worked up about. Ultimately, I don't think it's too much to say it shaped who he became as a person. Uh, Lininger summed it up. He said, you think you've got pressure on, on earth, but step back. And look at the bigger picture now and then. It's not going to kill you 99% of the time. And I think Psalm 146, which is our text for today, stands to help us in precisely the same kind of way. Can we pray as we come to Psalm 146? Our loving Heavenly Father, we praise you today as God over all things. You, our God, are all-knowing. And that's not just about knowing lots of facts, but you also see things in their proper proportion. Father, may we learn, please, this morning to see life and death and ourselves and our friends, and especially you, O God, in true and proper place and proportion. We ask that you'd enable us to then carry that perspective out into the conversations that we have later today and this evening, that we would carry ourselves with a sense of your majesty, even in those contemplative moments in our hearts as we look back at the year just gone or consider the year ahead. Father, teach us, please, to end the year well from your word this morning. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. Psalm 146, and uh, God willing, it'll be a slightly shorter sermon this morning, folks. Uh, Psalm 146 presents us with three threats, three threats, threats that would prevent us from maintaining praise, uh, a perspective that enables us to praise our Lord God and Saviour, three threats which are then disarmed with three points of Perspective. Let me give you the three threats and then we'll read the whole psalm and uh, briefly work through. The first threat is the shortness of life that can skew our perspective um, and prevent us from praising God. So the first one is the shortness of life. Secondly, the strength of men or princes or people. Thirdly, the slowness of salvation. So there are the three threats. The shortness of life, the strength of people and the slowness of salvation. Can we have another read through the psalm together in full? I know Pia only just read it to us, but it's, it's so short, only 10 verses. I feel that we can, uh, we can take another look there and probably hold the whole thing in our minds 
at once. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. I will praise the Lord all my life. I will sing praise to my God as long as I live. Do not put your trust in princes, in mortal men who cannot save. When their spirit departs, they return to the ground. And on that very day, their plans come to nothing. Blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God, the maker of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them, the Lord who remains faithful forever. He upholds the cause of the oppressed and gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets prisoners free. The Lord gives sight to the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the alien and sustains the fatherless and the widow, but he frustrates the ways of the wicked. The Lord reigns forever. Your God, O Zion, for all generations. Praise the Lord. So the psalm begins and ends. I think this this much is very clear, isn't it? Uh, The psalm begins and ends and holds out for us this heart before us of this uninhibited um, praise of the Lord. It sounds so free and generous. It starts and finishes. Praise the Lord. Uh, And I put it to you that overcoming these three threats or three hurdles uh, in your spiritual life, in your perspective before the Lord, will help move you to that same place of uninhibited, unencumbered praise uh, of the God who is there. Uh, But to get there, firstly, what you need to do, firstly, you need to disarm the sense of the shortness of your life by meeting that reality with the eternity of your God. I think that's what the psalm sets before us this morning, friends. I think that's the antidote uh, for our hearts. And maybe the shortness of life, maybe this is especially um, an important word for us this very week, following on from the funeral on Friday, uh, or for some of us it's, it's this time of year where the shortness of life comes in on us again, it reminds us of our mortality at this time of year, it makes us wonder... How many more of these seasons do I have? How many more new years will I get to ring in? Um, For others of us, it comes in on us at birthdays, doesn't it? It's just a number, but we realise we'll never have those younger years back. Friends, what perspective has the psalmist brought to the shortness of his life that enables him to yet praise the Lord so freely, so openly. There, let me show it to you. It's there in the psalm. And and this is a common little trick that I'm going to show you uh, in in the psalms, a common little technique that the psalmist, the writer, uh, uses. So take a look with me at the very first line and the very last one. Can you see those there? The very first line and the very last one. The very first line, praise the Lord, and the very last one, praise the Lord. Uh, But in between, if you just come back in a step, as is on the screen in front of you, uh, in between those praise the Lord lines, just have a look at the contrast here. So verses 1 and 2, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, O my soul, I will praise the Lord all my life. I will sing praise to my God as long as I live. So there's me in my life with every day that I have. And then have a look at how it's bracketed there at the end by verse 10 the Lord reigns forever 
your God, O Zion, for all generations. Praise the Lord. The psalm is bracketed on the one hand with the call, praise the Lord, but just one step in. There's me and and my life and all of its days and then there's God and eternity and forever his faithfulness for all generations. Do you like what he's done there, the psalmist? I think it's absolutely deliberate. He will hold together all of my life as long as I live and what enables him to see that positively Um, freely with this liberated tone is what he holds it together with because I know my Lord reigns forever. I can give him every day of my life. I can give him every moment, every single breath that I have because I know I've got a God who was there before I came along and he'll still be there when I'm well and truly gone. He reigns. For all generations, I can trust him with my mortality, with the shortness of my life. And so it moves him to praise the Lord. There's threat number one, met by perspective uh, number one. Threat number two comes from an experience I suspect we all have at times. It's that at times, other people just seem to tower so very tall in our lives and over us. Uh, Sometimes for good, but not always. And I'm not sure, in, in this psalm, see what you think as we, as we read through these verses now. Do you think that uh, the psalmist there sees these princes, these people, the strength of people, does he see them in a positive light or a negative light or actually doesn't it matter? Take a look with me there, verses 1 to 6. So, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. I will praise the Lord all my life. I will sing praise to my God as long as I live. Do not put your trust in princes, in mortal men who cannot save. When their spirit departs, they return to the ground. On that very day, their plans come to nothing. Blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God, the maker of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them, the Lord who remains faithful forever. And what do you think there? Do you think he, he's talking about men he admires, uh, princes he admires, that he longs for, you know, that he, he kind of wants to come under their wing and be near to them and be part of their plans, which do last as long as they live, in the hope that, uh, what would it be in modern terms, that some of their cool rubs off on him or, or that he actually gets the job from them or uh, whatever it might be for the authority figures in your life. Uh, You know, those people in our lives that we obsess over, we crave approval from, who seem to be the gatekeepers of important friendships or relationships or opportunities in our lives. Or do you think he's a little bit more um, negative about the kings and princes of this world? Kind of like many of the princes uh, of the surrounding countries in ancient Israel were. And so Israel's leaders were tempted to make moral compromise, weren't they? under the threat of, well, those princes in their power and crushing them. Uh, In modern terms, what would that look like? Authority figures who seem to be gatekeepers that we are scared of for one reason or another, for whom it's a comfort to us that their plans will perish with them. Well, it could be that toxic workplace boss that some of you have had to deal with this year. When people hold power over you, 
and it feels like they and they alone have the power to make your life a misery or at least bearable? Well, the psalmist says, rest assured, they have no such power. Not if you bring this perspective, verse 5. Blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God, the maker of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them, the Lord who remains faithful forever. Which leads then into the third threat, actually, the slowness of salvation. Because sometimes the maker of heaven and earth allows his children to go hungry, lets them sit under that difficult boss for a season or for a long time, lets his children suffer physically, lets his children become bowed down in life. He allows us, doesn't he, to have a hard year or even a dark year or to face one ahead But friends, slow is not the same as never. And I think that's part of what the perspective the psalm is bringing to us here. As uh, Peter says in 2 Peter 3, with the Lord, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. But perhaps more to the point here in the psalm, and please take a look at it again with me, is that slowness, the slowness of the Lord, at least from our perspective to hear our prayers and our cries at times, his slowness ought not to be taken as an indication that he doesn't care. I think that's what the psalm is showing before us, as if he's not attentive, as if he didn't even notice each of his children's cares and worries and concerns. No children of the Lord take heart because he does, he sees And he knows. Have a look at verse 5 there. Blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope, whose hope is in the Lord his God, the maker of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them, the Lord who remains faithful forever. He upholds the cause of the oppressed. He gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets prisoners free. The Lord gives sight to the blind. See how he's reaching in? seeing the experience of each of his children there, even as they are languishing. The Lord uh, lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the alien and sustains the fatherless and the widow, but he frustrates the ways of the wicked. And here's where that forever perspective then comes back in verse 10. The Lord reigns forever. Your God, O Zion, for all generations. Praise the Lord. So, brothers and sisters, as we uh, move towards a conclusion here, and indeed as we head back out into the rest of today, uh, into our New Year's Eve, as we um, are taking stock of of the year behind and taking a deep breath um, before the year of what's to come, will will we put on this perspective, a perspective that lays our cares at the feet of a Lord who cares, who knows who sees, who notices, a perspective that looks for help from the Lord, even as mere mortals loom up and loom very large in our lives indeed, a perspective that lines up our own short lives against the eternal saving faithfulness 
of our God in the Lord Jesus Christ with the conclusion that here is the one that I can trust. Because there, friends, you'll find a perspective that can lead you back to praise, do you see? Yes, even in the face of the shortness of life and the strength or indeed the scariness of people and the slowness of salvation. There, friends, you'll find a perspective that can lead you back to praise. But may I boldly say to you, if there are any here today whose, I guess, um, confidence in in that way of looking at the world is maybe um, a little tentative at best, Uh, you're not so sure that you can lean on God like that and and sort of step back and adopt that perspective uh, for yourself, you're not so sure that you can look at the shortness of your life uh, with that kind of detachment or confidence or assurance, not so sure that God for you puts looming personalities back in their place, for you at least. Um, Well, if that's you, may I just take us to one last passage in the New Testament? Because I have been working with an assumption uh, and and uh, and I want to reveal that, um, I suppose, as we close, because I think the secret to gaining this kind of perspective uh, that leads to praise comes to us only when Jesus starts to fill our view. He is the Lord of this psalm that we bring our praise to. He is the one in whom we see the shortness of our lives in terms of the saving faithfulness of God. It's in Jesus that that really comes alive for us and that's the assumption that I suppose I've been working with and has remained unspoken to this point. In Jesus we meet a God of timely help, of loving action, a God who knows that all things aren't yet as they ought to be, aren't yet as we long for them to be, and aren't yet as they will be. Oh, but they will be one day. Um, So can we please read Philippians 2 together, part of Philippians 2. It's the familiar part. And uh, I know that when we turn to Philippians 2, normally verses 5 to 11, uh, many of you can probably just rattle those verses off, can't you? Uh, Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus and so forth. The normal thing when we go to Philippians 2 is that we think, well, it's, uh, it's there to tell us how to be more like Jesus. That's what it says. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. It's telling us what to do and what mindset to take in terms of um, humility uh, and, and so forth. But there's a second teaching point in there in the last couple of verses, and that's where I want to take us, that the, it's that the reigning Christ, the faithful forever reigning Christ, puts this life, puts this year, puts your all in a perspective that can lead you to praise. And so that's where I'd like us to conclude. Turn with me to Philippians chapter 2 and verse 5, if you would, please. Where it says, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. But this is the bit, take a look here. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus... Every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. 
Let's pray together. Father God in heaven, may we find in Christ the the, the Christ who came for us, who lived for us, who died for us, who reigns now as eternal Lord over us and for us. May we find in our Christ grounds for unending praise today. Father, some of us have been brought low this year. Some of us have confronted our mortality as never before or or that of our loved ones for that matter, like never before. Oh God, some of us have counted ourselves thoroughly at the mercy of difficult bosses or scary people in our lives as if they were our only hope of a blessed and happy life. God, right now, we want to give you praise as our eternal faithful, tender, caring, attentive, loving God. And Father, may that perspective, yes, move us to count the very air that we breathe as a blessing from you. Move us to recognise the beautiful things of this planet with gratitude in our hearts to you. And Father, may the year ahead be one of maintaining a perspective that leads to praise of the Lord Jesus in all times and circumstances, in every way. Praise the Lord. Amen.